Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training. Good, specialized training. Something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about full-time filmmaker. Parker Wahlbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it, and it propelled our business. cover what equipment that you should be getting if you're just starting out. We want to hit uh, just bare bones what you need to be successful. We're going to touch on audio gear, camera equipment, renting versus buying, uh, editing software, just, just the bare bones of what you need to go out, shoot a wedding, be successful, come back, edit it, and then give your clients a good product. Uh, we're trying to keep most of this under $1,000, but it's really important that you invest in some basic equipment. And then there's some things that you should just rent, in our opinion, and we're going to cover that here in a second. Uh, we also, you'll hear me talk about this a lot, investing in yourself. I think it's significantly more important for you to invest in yourself rather than invest in like, you know, the new cannons that are coming out and that kind of stuff. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. So we will talk about investing in yourself in another podcast, but for right now, let's just, let's just talk about equipment. So first, let's talk about camera gear. What camera should you be buying? Well, you're going to hear us talk a lot about the GH5. And the reason why I talk so much about the GH5 is because for the price, you can't really beat what you get. You get 4K 60, 422, 10-bit internal up to 4K 30 frames a second. Uh, you can do 8-bit and 4K 60. Um, however, we we don't shoot in 60 frames anymore. We only we The highest that we go is 30, and we slow that down to a 24p timeline. That's just my personal opinion. That'll cost you around a grand. I think we got our last one used off of B&H for around $1,000, uh, which is actually the camera that's recording right now is the one that we purchased used. Some people love Canons. If you don't want to go the Panasonic route, get a Canon SL3. That seems to be the new one that came out. Uh, we That shoots in 4K, 24, 1080p, up to 60 frames a second. Do you need anything more than that? Not really. Can you get by with that camera? Absolutely. Uh, my personal preference, though, is a GH5, but we talked about keeping things under a thousand bucks. Let's just let's just stay focused with Canon. So you get a Canon SL3. Uh, I looked on Amazon an SL3 with a 50 millimeter 1.8, the little puck lens, is about 700 bucks. And you'll see plenty of people shooting all day on a 50 
Some people love shooting all day on a 35. We bounce back and forth on primes. Uh, however, if if you want to uh, if you want to you know shoot on a 50, that is 100% feasible. So don't uh, don't look down on just shooting on one lens when you're just starting out. Everybody talks about, you know, the lens that you should get is a 70 to 200. That lens is like 1400 bucks. So if you want to keep it simple, you want to keep the price right, get a deal like this off Amazon. You're looking at 700 bucks for a camera that can shoot uh, in 4K 24, and then you can shoot all your B-roll in 1080p and 60 frames a second. The, um, just on a personal note, we deliver 99% of our films in 1080 so we shoot in a 4K all day long, and then we just compress that down into a 1080 file. Do you have to do that? No. Can you get away with just shooting in 1080p? Of course you can. The only reason why we like to do that is because that gives us wiggle room if we need to punch in, you know, we I think you can zoom up to up to 100% if you're shooting in 4K and you're, you're dropping down uh, to 1080. So it's just a good option to have. You don't have to have it. So don't get wrapped around the axle if you can't afford it. All right, so let's talk about audio. Audio is half of the video. You need to understand that. Audio is unbelievably important. A very good rule of thumb is you can have a pretty bad video, but if you have good audio, people can mentally make it through it. They can sit down and rationalize what's going on and they can just adjust to the poor, uh, the, the poor video. However, if you have a bad audio and good video, you gotta have a great video, but if you have bad audio, people cannot logically reconcile the two. They cannot physically make it through it. So audio is unbelievably important. Right now I'm filming this podcast on a, on a road mic. That's a good microphone to have. As a backup right now, I have a Rode VideoMic Pro on my camera that's also recording. But I would not want to use that. I look over at my recorder just to make sure it's on. I would not want to use the mic that's on the camera right now because I'm about five feet away from the camera. So it's it's really important that you you're using the right equipment you have the right tools, and you also have redundancy. So we really like Tascam DR10Ls. You'll hear everybody talking about those. B&H just had the white ones on sale for like 129 bucks. I love that little microphone. It's really easy to program. It's easy to use. You can dual record with it. You can pick one up for about 200 bucks. Uh, And if you're just starting you can probably get away with one Tascam DR10L on the groom. And if people are standing within close enough proximity and that kind of stuff, you'll be able to pick up the officiant, the bride, and the groom. You would just need to go into post, uh, put in a compressor, and raise up all the levels of the ancillary audio and that kind of stuff. But you could probably get by with just one. We personally mic everyone. So the bride gets a mic, the groom gets a mic, the officiant gets the mic. That's just for redundancy. We we know that the groom's mic will pick up the bulk of what's going on. However, if you want clean audio from the bride, you need to have the bride mic'd up. But remember, if you are just starting out, 
You can get by with one, maybe two, and you'll be good to go. The other thing that we, we have um, two Zoom F1s. So you got the task cams and you got the Zooms. And I really like the audio that comes out of the Zoom F1. It was a little cheaper than Tascam when I originally bought it, but it's big. I mean, it's big. It's like an inch thick. It's got these metal bars on it for you to slide a belt through. When we're doing, uh, when we're filming active shooter scenarios and that kind of stuff, which is a, another, you know, a business that we have, we use those on the, the stunt people because they're pretty rugged. Like they can take a beating. We do use them for weddings, but we'll do, we'll use those to put them up on like a podium at a Catholic ceremony or, uh, even if the officiant needs something special, we'll use one for that. But we, we try not to use those. We have a white DR10L. We have a, a black DR10L. We have the Rode Wireless Go, which we typically use on the officiants. And then we have the two Zoom uh, F1s for, you know, ambient audio, or like I said, tossing it up on a podium or something like that. But if you're just getting started, you can get by with just one task cam and you should be okay. We also use a Zoom H6. So we, we've been using the Zoom H6. It's actually over here. That's what I'm using right now to record the podcast so that the audio from my Rode mic is going into the Zoom. And I love it. It's a color screen. You can see all the levels on it really clearly. Like I can glance over right now and see, see where I'm at in the grand scheme of things while I'm talking. So I, I really enjoy this microphone or I really enjoy the zoom H six. You can plug it directly into a speaker and record the audio that's coming out of it. You can jack into the DJ's soundboard uh, you can use XLR inputs, you can use quarter inch inputs, like you, you can do a whole plethora of things with this and you can control the audio levels from the dials that's on it. Now, do you have to have a Zoom H6? No, it would be good if you did. And the reason why I say that is because you can use the Zoom H6 as backup audio or that could be your primary audio source and you could be using... Um, your task cam as backup audio because you always want to have two like that's just something just kind of get in the frame of mind with that you always want to have at least two things of audio in our case we have like four or five going because you we do not want to screw the audio up now something i'm going to give you guys a million dollar piece of advice and for those of you that are watching the youtube video you can physically see what i'm holding in my hand but this right here is a jib y splitter so this little bad boy, I got on Amazon for 35 bucks. And this is probably the best thing I could have bought. And I want to, we're doing another podcast on extreme ownership here in a little bit. But I had a really, really bad experience with a DJ. Uh, make a long story short, the DJ's XLR cable to the microphone was about two feet long. So the people that were giving the speeches were literally leaning up against the DJ's table. It was, it was a really bad situation to be in. And I figured out how to adapt to it. And how to adapt to it is this. This splitter, this is not your standard uh, XLR Y splitter. Y you don't want that. This, this Jib Y splitter, it's called Jacks in the Box from Galaxy Audio. This splitter cost $35 on Amazon. It's 35 bucks. 
what this does, you take the, you have an input and two outputs. You take the microphone, whatever it is that the DJ is using. Okay. So if it's a wireless microphone, it has an XLR jack. If it's a, uh, you know, an XLR mic from just a wired microphone, it has an XLR jack. You take the XLR jack and you plug it into the input and then you have two outputs. And what makes this really unique is you can take a clean, balanced feed from the DJs, from the microphone itself without ever touching the DJ and send it straight to your device. If you're using an H6, an H4, an H1, you can send that straight to your device without any manipulation from the DJ whatsoever. So whatever the DJ is doing in the back end, if he's playing music on some weird channel, if he's trying to bump the bass, if he's doing something crazy with the volume, it does not matter because this box is sending you a clean, balanced signal directly from the microphone itself. And you, you can't get better quality than that, period. This box is $35. This, this will save any amount of audio that you got going on. As long as the feed from the microphone is coming to this box, you will get a clean, balanced you know, you're controlling everything on your side. He's controlling everything on his or her side and you, everybody's happy. Like it's so spend the $35 and get something like this. Don't buy the Y, the XLR Y splitter Buy an actual box. This thing has a power output in it. So you can still send phantom power from one source to the microphone and it has a blocker in it. So if two things are running, running phantom power, they won't go. Um, they both won't go into the mic. It'll only accept one with phantom power. So it's, it's a really good, really good option to have. Um, we, you know, we obviously love it. I, I like the H six, but I would highly recommend that you have two things of audio that you would have a task cam and you would have an H6 with the box. If you have the box set up with the H6, as long as the microphone is transmitting accordingly to the box, meaning that if they're on like a high speed Sennheiser or whatever wireless microphone and there's some kind of interference, as long as nothing like that is going on, you will get a perfectly clean, impossible, it's, it's physically impossible to, distort what's going on from that to your device. So the DJ just, they can't control what's happening, which is where you want to be. You want to be the masters of your own destiny. And this box is 35 bucks and it's worth every penny. Uh, we're, we're, so we're going to take a break. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk about editing software and then renting. And why I want to talk about renting is because you heard me say like, Oh, you know, you need at least one camera. If you're doing ceremonies and that kind of stuff, you always want at least two cameras. We shoot with four. Uh, you want two cameras because one can be just in a fixed location shooting, you know, kind of off center at the, at the couple uh, as your base camera. So that that's your safe cam. And then you can be, you know, walking around getting creative shots or trying to get more intimate shots with the other camera. And you're thinking to yourself, well, Phil, you literally just said you're keeping our budget under a thousand bucks. Yes, I am. So if you buy one camera, if you buy one lens and you buy one microphone, we're going to talk about renting everything else here when we come back. 
Do you still email a PDF for a contract? Are you struggling to remember who you sent files to or what those files were? You need a solid CRM, a customer relation management tool, a program that will send professional files and contracts all on your behalf. One that does not need to be printed, signed, and emailed back. Is this the Stone Age? You need HoneyBook. We've been using them for years now, and it increased our productivity by taking menial tasks and automating them. You can set up custom workflows to automatically send emails, payment reminders, thank you responses, etc. You can send brochures, questionnaires, and invoices too. We have three set up. One for when a couple inquires, one for after a call with a couple, and one for a booked wedding with nine steps. That saves us so much time on the back end. What would you do with more time? Spend more time with your family, spend more time working on creative projects, or just simply relaxing. Use our affiliate link below to save 50% on your first year. Go ahead. It's on us. Start saving time and money today. All right. So coming back from break, like I said, I want to go into talking about editing software and then renting, and we'll, we'll get, we'll get into that in more detail. So let's, let's talk about editing software. So there are tons of different camps when it comes to editing software. And I personally do not believe that one is really that much better than the other. That's just my personal opinion. You have Final Cut, which we use. You have Adobe Premiere, which I've never used. And you also have DaVinci, which I also use. The Those are your three biggest choices. You know, like I said, we use Final Cut and DaVinci. I have a Mac, so it makes sense for me to use Final Cut because it's just a native program that's inside it. And I was making some real garbage movies when I was a little younger and they, uh, I did everything on iMovie. So I was much more familiar with, you know, move going from iMovie to Final Cut than I would have been going to Adobe Premiere. So I just stuck with Final Cut. Uh, what I found out is if you use your student discount, you can get uh, Final Cut Motion, Logic and Compressor for 200 bucks. Final Cut alone is $299 that you just pay up front. So if you're a part of, you know, full-time filmmaker or you're, you know, you're still in college and that kind of stuff, absolutely use that student discount, you know, take advantage of that 200 bucks for like a thousand dollars with the programs. I use Compressor. I have a preset that we made inside of Compressor for when we export our videos. That's, that's what we're using. Uh, and you know, motion is kind of like After Effects. It's not as cool, but it, it has some ability in there to manipulate titles, to manipulate some motion graphics. So inside of motion, we have our titles for our wedding videos, uh, the YouTube videos, that kind of stuff. We have all of that saved as a template. So we just got to go in, drag and drop, change the people's names, bada bing, you're, you're done. So it, it, it was really, it's really convenient for us. For Adobe, their entire suite is $239.88 a year for students. So there is a significant price difference between Adobe and Final Cut. You got a one-time cost with Final Cut. You know, you can get their suite for 200 bucks as a student, or you're paying around 240 bucks a year for students for Adobe. 
if you are not a student, it's $599.88 a year for non-students. So you'd be spending 600 bucks a year compared to, you know, $300 for Final Cut if you just bought that on its own. That's just the way that the breakdown of those two are. We've been talking about balling on a budget and what you need to do if you're just starting out. DaVinci Resolve is free. Full stop. It's free. You can get DaVinci Resolve for free. DaVinci Resolve Studio is $299.99. The big differences between the free version and the not free version is things like there are certain plugins that aren't available, like Film Grain. Uh, I personally like Film Grain, but I already have a Film Grain preset inside of Final Cut, so I don't need it. The uh, I think the Fairlight and some things with Lightbox, I believe, are are disabled uh, in the free version. But by and large, you're not going to really be using a whole lot of that. Your focus is going to be on, you know, just doing the basic cuts to music, you know, doing the edits and the color grading. I, we, we decided that we would try to make the most complex workflow known to man because that's just how I operate. Like, why bother doing anything the easy way? I know how to use Final Cut. I don't want to say, you know, I'm an expert, but I know how to do it pretty well. I can navigate it. I know the shortcut keys and I can churn through projects. So what we do is we go, we upload the music. We do all the sound effects. We do, you know, all the, well, take that back. We actually, we do all the audio rendering and logic. Uh, Once we're done with that, we dump it into Pluralize. And then from Pluralize, we put it into Final Cut. See what I'm saying? It's getting real, it's getting real crazy. Like, why couldn't you just use it in Final Cut? Because you can. I'm going to make that abundantly clear. Final Cut does a pretty good job uh, syncing audio, doing multi-cam clips, that kind of stuff. So don't think you need to have the workflow that we do. It's just what I'm used to and I'm comfortable with it. And I just, it's just the way the cookie crumbles for us. But do not think that you need to do anything outside of Final Cut. You color grade in Final Cut. You can do all the editing in Final Cut. You can do all the sound design in Final Cut. You can do all that stuff inside Final Cut. I just, I don't, I don't know why. Uh, Because once we're done with the edit, we have everything done. And the only thing that's left is color grading. We... We take a file, we create a 422 ProRes master file, and then we send it over to DaVinci Resolve. And then I use DaVinci Resolve, the free version, to color grade all of the stuff because the color grading inside of DaVinci Resolve is really good. Like it is a phenomenal program that uh, that they actually color grade like feature films on that. So like Pacific Rim, those types of movies are color graded on DaVinci Resolve. So now you're probably saying, well, why do I need Final Cut or why do I need Adobe? You don't. You can get the free version of DaVinci Resolve and edit your entire wedding film from start to finish inside of DaVinci. You know, do your color grading in one of the best color grading platforms on the planet and then export it and you're done. And you didn't pay anything for that software. Or if you got a bigger budget and you buy a Blackmagic, you know, 4K, a Blackmagic 6K, then um, you can, you get a free version of DaVinci Resolve Studio with that. But the light version, just the DaVinci Resolve version, 
will get you through everything you need. So don't think that you need to be on this bandwagon. You see everybody in different groups talking about, you know, oh, I did this with DaVinci or I did this with Final Cut or I'm doing this with Adobe and, you know, Adobe is so much better than Final Cut and all that stuff. That's It's a personal preference. I can't stress that enough. It is literally a personal preference. If a Hollywood movie is being made in DaVinci, you can do your wedding video in DaVinci. Don't think that you need to shell out $600 every year to use Adobe. That's just my two cents. So now you got a free editing software that you can use. You have uh, a $700 camera bundle that has your camera and your and your puck, your 51.8. You spend 180 bucks on uh, a Tascam DR10L and you still have a hundred bucks left over. So we're, we're cruising along. So I want to move into renting and why I want to talk about renting is because I wish that we would have rented more equipment. I have two GH fives and a GH five S and we always rent the fourth camera for when we need it. We, I love renting. It doesn't take up space in my house. I use it and then just ship it back. I don't need to worry about it after that. I don't need to maintain it. I don't need to spend any extra money on it. I don't need to do anything extra other than pay for the rental itself. Now, if you wanted to rent, if you wanted to buy a Canon 70 to 200, you're looking at around 1400 bucks, I think 14, 1500 bucks, something like that. If you wanted to rent it, through borrow lenses, because that's who we use. We use borrow lenses. If you wanted to rent it through borrow lenses, it's $52 for three days. 52 bucks for your lens. That's it. If you if you wanted, like when we rent our third GH5, because I use the GH5S on a Ronin and I'm kind of wandering during the ceremony, we spend 90 bucks for three days to rent the body because we, we already had lenses. Uh, if you wanted to rent a zoom H six, so you bought your little box. Now you need an H six for your second audio, you know, audio source. It's $29 for three days. That's it. You spend 29 bucks a wedding and you have a zoom H six. Now, right now you're probably saying, well, if I'm going to spend an extra $400 in equipment. And I'm just making that number up. That was just the first number that came to my head. If I'm going to spend an extra $400 to rent, uh, actually I take that back. It's around $200 for you to rent a one DX Mark four for three days through borrow lenses. It's 200 bucks. So right now you're saying to yourself, well, how, how am I going to, you know, you want me to rent uh 70 to 200, a 1DX Mark IV and a Zoom H6 to pair with my with my camera, you know, my other lens and all this other stuff. That's an extra what, 300 bucks? You know, where where am I going to get that from? Well, I'll tell you. You pass that cost on to your client. Full stop. I can't stress this enough. Whatever additional cost that you incur during a wedding should be passed on to your couple. That's how business works. Plus, now you're using an SL2 as a safe cam 
because obviously you're going to be using the 1DX Mark IV for the bulk of the day, which means you're going to have significantly better quality with that. Just in general terms, that is a much better camera. So it makes sense that if you're going to spend $300 to rent all of this equipment to give your couples a superior product, that you should be charging at least $300 more. Period. You should not be incurring cost unless it's something that you want to give the couple. Like I've heard people talk about, you know, they're doing an eighteen dollars to $20,000, you know, destination wedding in Italy and they'll, they'll waive the travel fee and stuff like that. That's different. If you make that decision, you're making that decision because you're getting compensated in a different way, just in general terms. We, when we decided to use the fourth camera for our weddings, we added the price to the weddings. So I want to say we were at $23.99 and we were like, hey, let's let's get a fourth camera just so we could have three fixed, you know, solid angles and then me floating around like a wild man with my Ronin trying to get some creatives. So what do we do? I said, all right, let's do it. Bumped it up to $24.99. We instantly added that price right to our package price because that's the couple is going to get a better product. They're going to have more angles. Their ceremony edits are going to look better because there are more cameras shooting it. Therefore, we can charge more money. And I cannot stress that enough. There's there's too many times that people just agree to bite the bullet and eat the cost when they shouldn't be. You only eat the cost if there's some benefit to you. And if you're renting $300 worth of equipment and you're charging $700 for the wedding already, you've chewed through almost all of your profit. So if you're if you're shooting a $700 wedding, you're using one camera, you're, you know, you've got one audio source what you've invested in, you're charging a thousand bucks now. Charge a thousand dollars now. If they got 700, they got a thousand. It's that simple. So you're charging a thousand dollars now. 300 of that is going to your equipment costs that pays for the shipping back, back and forth that pays for the rental itself. Um, you, you always want to make sure that you're adding the equipment line to your wedding cost breakdown to make sure you're compensated for the equipment. That's just, that's my two cents. I charge an equipment fee with everything. Reason being is let's say you're shooting a wedding and you don't have an equipment fee and you break something. Well, now you you just lost, you know, let's say it was on that, uh, that 150 lens. What did I say that 150 lens was to buy? Probably 200 bucks. So if you didn't have some kind of equipment fee built into there to begin with, then you, you just lost out on all that money. But if you were charging an extra $100 per wedding for the equipment fee, and that's not a rental fee, that's just for the equipment. Uh, equipment fee for your own personal stuff. You break a lens cap, you smash an ND filter, you you do something, you break an HDMI cable like that. It's very important that you have that stuff built into your cost. And you're probably saying to yourself, where did you get this crazy idea from? Well, it's easy. You hear me harping about full-time filmmaker. They have a wedding cost breakdown inside of the course. It's a, it's an Excel sheet. And I seen the line item in it. I was like, oh my God, that's genius. Like that's, they're 100% right. Like you should be, you should charge an equipment fee no matter what, because here's, here's a good rule of thumb. I want you to think about how much it would cost 
for a couple to rent the equipment that you are taking to their wedding, shoot the wedding themselves, and then edit it. Now, in our case, we've got three GH5s, a GH5S. I have seven inch monitors. We have, you know, these newer tripods. We have, you know, four or five microphones, the zooms, like just the equipment cost alone is almost what we charge for a wedding. Just in general terms, like that's, so you have to factor that in. If you're bringing nice equipment with you to shoot someone's wedding, you need to be charging more, just in general terms. You'll hear me say this over and over and over again, just talking about constantly raising your prices. And the reason is, is because you're doing stuff like this. If you're shooting a $500 wedding on Saturday with one camera, the next wedding that you book should be for $800 and you should have rented a second camera, a lens, and another piece of audio. Because you'll notice once you're done with the $800 wedding, it looks a little better and it sounds better, which means at that point you could probably raise your price again because people are going to be looking at it going, hey, this, this video is pretty good. Next thing you know, you're charging a thousand bucks. Like we, our progression started because we, we instantly started at $1,500 because of all the equipment that we had. And that was just a, uh, a remnant of when we're shooting active shooter scenarios for Milo systems. So just something to think about. You just always have that in the back of your head. So I, I would highly encourage you to create a miscellaneous line item that you don't need to have it on your invoice, but when you're trying to break down your costs and you know, how much should I charge for a wedding? You should always have a miscellaneous line item for what happens if I break something. So you got a hundred bucks added right there. What, what if I snap two HDMI cables or the tilt arm breaks or something like that? How am I going to get compensated for it? Well, you got that miscellaneous line item there. And then you also need a line item for how much it costs for you to rent the equipment that you got. So if you're getting, if you're charging, if you're going to borrow lenses, you're renting, you know, uh 1DX Mark IV of 70 to 200 and a Zoom H6, you know, it's going to be like 280 bucks. You round up, you say equipment rental fee is you know, 300 bucks, but I mean, you just, you, the client is paying for it at that point because they're getting a better service. So let's kind of circle this back. Let's, let's summarize. You know, we, we talked about camera equipment, you know, what, what do you need just starting out? You probably get by just fine with a Canon SL3. You get by with a 50 millimeter lens, uh, or if you wanted to, you know, get a 35 or I personally shoot on a 90. I love the look of prime lenses. So I shoot on a 90. Brittany is shooting on a 35. And during the ceremony, uh, you know, we're using different lenses, which we'll, we'll talk about that in another episode. But um, yeah, I mean, you don't need to don't. So audio, get a Tascam DR10L, rent an H6. It's that simple. Um, you know, get DaVinci. I can't stress this enough. A part of me wishes that I would have started on DaVinci just because it's free. It works just fine. You speed ramp, you do all of that stuff inside of DaVinci, just like you would Final Cut or Adobe. It works just like the other two. The only difference is you don't pay for it. So I'd highly recommend DaVinci, especially for color grading. Even if you've already invested in Final Cut, really look into DaVinci and color grading. There's this thing called Bacon Blade to get it over. So I'd I'd really look into I'd really look into DaVinci, and then rent. I can't stress this enough. 
just rent the equipment that you need, pass that cost on to the couple, because that's the only thing that makes sense because you're renting better stuff. You're creating a better product if you're using better equipment. So it's just something to think about. And, you know, while I get that, you know, gear, gear is a big component of being successful, but I don't think that, I think we need to kind of get away from the stigma that you have to have the coolest, newest thing like the Canon R5. You know, if you want a really hot brick in your hand, be my guest. Uh, but you don't really need it. You know, there's that expression. I think it's keeping up with the Joneses where you're trying to keep up with everything that your neighbors are doing. It seems like we do that a lot as videographers. We're always trying to buy new stuff, have the latest and greatest, do all that kind of stuff. And you don't really need it. You can get by with cheaper, less cool equipment and create a really good product. And, you know, I don't want you to get wrapped around the axle about having all the latest and greatest. Your skill in using it is significantly more important than the gear that you have. And I, I want to say full-time filmmaker just put out a video of Jake Weisler and I, I think it's Parker's cousin is what he said, who just started filmmaking. They gave his cousin a, you know, $50,000 red camera and Jake had a Canon SL2. And then they, they tried to put a little shoe commercial together and you can clearly see yeah, this is nothing against the guy who just started because he's just starting out. The issue is Jake has a lot of experience. It's the skill that matters. It's not necessarily the equipment. The equipment will give you a good image. True. But I can get a great image out of my GH five. I don't need a $60,000 red camera to go shoot a wedding video I, I need the camera that I got. It's going to do just fine. All right. So with all that being said, uh, make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. You know, join our private Facebook group. It's Wedding Filmmaking for Beginners. You know, again, thank you so much for being here. You know, I'm, I'm glad that everybody's tuning in. I hope everybody's staying safe. Be sure to like and subscribe if you're on YouTube watching this. And we will see you again here in the next couple of weeks. All right. Bye. Are you looking at a really nice camera you can't afford? Are you wondering how companies afford six red Monstro 8K cameras and all the trimmings? You need to make more money so you can buy one. No, I'm kidding. You need to rent. Renting equipment is way easier than you think. You can ship it all back and forth from your house and it's way cheaper than buying. Best of all, you should include the rental cost in your pricing to pass on the expense because you're shooting with better gear. Wouldn't it be great to use something other than a Canon SL2 for your next project? Run a Sony a7S III or a Canon 1DX Mark III. You don't need to buy them. We rent additional cameras, lighting gear, and audio equipment all the time from Borrow Lenses. We've never had a late shipment or anything other than an awesome experience with their customer service. Use our affiliate link below to get renting today and you'll have professional equipment tomorrow.